This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by James Wallman, CIO of Blanchard Valley Health System in Finley, Ohio. James, it's a pleasure to have you at the podcast today. Thanks. It's really great to be here with you. I know we have a lot to discuss, a lot going on in healthcare and technology today, but before we dive into our questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So, um, like I said, I'm the CIO, uh, which is uh, one of my jobs at Finley. Uh, Blanchard Healthcare in Finley, Ohio. Um, I've been in the healthcare IT business for uh, over 33 years. I started out at the University of Kentucky, worked for some groups like McKesson, worked for a hospital in Southwest Ohio, and then uh, came here in 2019 and have just really enjoyed the, the new location and new role. It's been really exciting. So carried a couple kids that are now adult daughters across the, the way and my wife. So they've been extremely supportive of me as we've moved halfway across the country twice. So uh, it's been an exciting component. And uh, also while here, like I said, half of my role is a CIO in community health. You find yourself uh, picking up other responsibilities. So I'm responsible for all of our support services, our construction facilities, master planning, um, and I now just picked up the laboratory most recently. So, uh, you know, it's always something different when you're working in community health. Absolutely. I can imagine, you know, there's just something new every day. And I'm wondering, you know, what has been more challenging for you, being a CIO um, during the pandemic or moving a family with two girls cross-country twice? Uh, with two, two daughters, that can be pretty challenging, but the COVID <laughs> went out in the end. So now they're adult daughters and, uh, they just had to visit. They uh, they went their respective ways when I, uh, my wife and I left Oklahoma for Ohio. So uh, that part made it a little easier. But it's um, COVID, you know, is, is prevalent in everybody's life right now. Absolutely. And, it, you know, that obviously being the number one top thing that you're thinking about and responding to and reacting to every day. What are the top one or two issues that really consume most of your energy? Well, I mean, as we talk about COVID, one of those is, uh, you know, your workforce success. Well, we were faced with an unprecedented uh, amount of workers who were leaving the physical brick and mortar facility. Uh, you know, that was initially done out of uh, overabundance of caution to get people out, keep them healthy. Um, but we learned a few things along the way, and that was that they left and we found out we were just as productive uh, and in certain cases, more so. Uh, in fact, we, we found more cases where we were more productive than we had a few that weren't as productive. But it's been a really uh, eye-opening component that's allowed us to uh, really change the way we look at the future. However, it brings a whole lot of challenges with it. So you want to make sure that, you know, how are you supporting these people? Are you keeping your network secure? Um, and you have the opportunity to work with this remote group. And now we've expanded that, you know, beyond our borders of just local and regional. Now we can look at remote workers all over the country who can come in and provide expertise and skills that we don't have. So that's a new way to uh, look at this. And it's not just in IT, it's across all aspects of the healthcare organization. So when we're working with these people, suddenly IT is trying to figure out how to take care of somebody who might reside in Iowa. And another one that's down in North Carolina and uh, addressing their needs when they're working and depending on their role at what time they're working. So you may find yourself on a remote support call at three in the morning talking to somebody in California because they're working on a, a shift component for another group. 
So it, it's just a, a whole different way of, of, of looking at things that we traditionally have not done, you know, in our environment. But at the same time, how do you keep that extremely secure? Uh, don't let your guard down and allow people in, you know, the nefarious actors who are out there uh, always trying to uh, knock on our door, take that one. So we're spending quite a bit of time uh, working on that. And I think the other one we're spending time on is, uh, you know, COVID has really uh, sparked a transition away from our, you know, our tradi traditional brick and mortar care. Um, you know, a few, couple years ago, the ideal of the volume of virtual care that we're seeing now, we thought we were years away from that, and suddenly we did it overnight. And now people are looking at that, and that's really changed our uh, response and how we do things as a clinical perspective. So I think as we do that, you know, now you're also going to start looking uh, at more remote care, monitoring, hospital at home, you know, and it has to be done in a meaningful way, you know, that the that the, the uh, clinicians can use. So that consumerism is really a key component and the people aren't afraid to, uh, you know, go across their, their own traditional borders and receive care from somebody else. So that really expands the boundaries of people who are both encroaching on us and uh, vice versa, where we can offer services where traditionally maybe we hadn't done that. So that consumerism is a key component to our future. So we're spending a lot of time to make sure that the systems that we send to these people and allow these people to use uh, meets their needs. When people are using higher end systems around social media and things, they become accustomed to them. And uh, we have to meet that level of support, that level of consumerism and maintain an affordability component that they continue to use our services. So that's really dominating a lot of our, um, a lot of our thought processes in our time today. Absolutely. That's really interesting to think about on both fronts, both, you know, the workforce issues and how things have transitioned since the pandemic. Um, and then thinking about um, virtual care and the consumerism aspect driving the future of where patients are choosing to get their care. I, I want to ask a quick follow-up question on the um, workforce side of things. You know, when you think about um, this is a big challenge nationally, what kinds of things are you trying to do or, or you're considering for 2022 that really will hopefully help with retention or um, recruiting top talent going forward? I, I know it's really a, a challenge right now, but is there anything that you found worked particularly well or, or things you're hoping to do going forward? You know, it, it's a really evolving landscape. Uh, so the other thing that this means, while we have the opportunity to uh, pick up skill sets that might not you know, be readily available where we are. We're also competing against every other health system in the country who's facing these same challenges. So flexibility is a key component, uh, making sure that you can pay adequately, provide good benefits. That presented a new challenge is suddenly, if you're doing self-insurance, like most uh, health systems are, you're now crossing over uh, borders and out of regions where they would be out of network. So you're having to change your your theory on that. Uh, these are things that really large health systems that have crossed over, you know, numerous states and regions have, have done for years. So it's a bit of a learning curve uh, for, for smaller hospitals and health systems like ours. Uh, it's just not something we traditionally look at. So that's, that's a big challenge in offering that. But we feel, you know, I think everybody who does this, you want to find the things that make you unique, uh, the voice that you have, and that you give to the people who are going to be part of your team. So 
Uh, we hope that we, we feel that once we get them in here that we can entice them to stay, that they'll enjoy the environment and the workforce and you know our ability to, to be a little more friendly and, and help them out and let them grow. So we want to do things to help us stand apart in that regard. That, that's really interesting and great to hear. Thank you for going through that with us. And, you know, um, beyond the workforce and thinking about the virtual care and consumerism side of things, what is there, if anything at all, have you been surprised by that patients are really wanting within their um, care experience now, especially in thinking about digitally? Um, and, and are you able to, for the most part, accommodate those types of things for patients? So you're, you're seeing a lot of people wanting a, a one-stop shop. Um, so are you prepared to provide everything to them quickly and easily? And, you know, it's a combination of some groups, you know, are ready to do that. Others, it's been a bit of a challenge. So if you're getting on, the banks have been doing this, you can go on to different uh, stores. You know, obviously you go to something like Amazon and offer so many different components. They come to expect that in their technology. So if you're providing something that's a little more um, less robust or a little more antiquated or not as full featured, uh, you have a tendency to lose that customer. You know, the old adage, you only get uh, you know, one chance to make a first impression. And so we want to make sure that we're ready when we put that out there. Also leveraging that against uh, how soon to market and uh, did you come out too soon and you weren't ready or did you come out too late and you missed missed the initial uh, wave. So we've heard from people that they are still looking at their traditional healthcare, at least you know, when our surveys that we're working with our patients and families, but they expect more from us. So that's what we will make sure we are providing. At the end of the day, in a true physical need, you know, we are the, the local medical facility. And we want to sell that ideal that we are taking care of them for the long haul, for the future. And we're not just here when they're sick that we're actually here for them all the time to help them with their wellness, to keep them out of the hospital. Uh, you know, that's a key component. So what kind of services can we offer? And we're finding, you know, there's really no difference between our older population that's aging. They have been taking to the technology very well, as well as, you know, our, our younger population who's getting out to that workforce and doing this for the first time. They've grown up with a little more expectation so then that sense of loyalty is something that we have to earn. And that's a, you know, that's a really hard component to do. So it's just a balancing act of what we've seen so far, but the demand just continues to grow. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. Now, thinking about the IT teams in particular, how do you see them changing in the next 12 months or so? What skill sets do you need more of? Anything you need less of? Well, as we talked about, uh, obviously COVID is still dominating. We don't see that, um, you know, when we see an ebb and flow, uh, we don't, we're going to continue to see that for the next 12 months. So flexibility is the key. Uh, one of the big keys that we're seeing for IT teams, because we saw some organizations that struggled. Uh, they weren't flexible when this happened. And we've seen some pretty um, significant transitions among some of these other IT teams in healthcare across the country. So that's a huge component. You can't be stagnant. Uh, looking at the newer ways to track, looking at the newer ways to model. Like I said, just from 2020 to today, uh, when March came out in March of 2020, um, the idea that we would be doing hundreds of remote monitoring 
and pulse oximeters and temperature monitoring and being able to notify patients and clinicians alike, you know, when something radical changes, those have just taken on a huge amount of popularity across the country. So we're still tracking those kind of things. And, and what we're seeing is this, in my opinion, is changing uh, the evolution uh, of way IT strategy is becoming synonymous with this organizational strategy. And that's impacting the IT teams. You know, we still have our, you know, traditional IT projects where we're taking care of infrastructure and, and some of the day-to-day -day operations. Those are very IT-centric components for us. But now we're having to see, become strategists, you know, and we need the, you know, people on that team to join us who think strategically. We obviously always will need, you know, outstanding analysts, technicians to comport those things. But there's a different skill set in that strategic thinking, that strategic way that we want to approach projects as a member, you know, of the clinical team. And I think that's a transition that we've seen. We've, you know, we've moved out of the basement and out from under finance. We've got a seat at the table to uh, lead with the, with the executive teams. Now we are getting an opportunity to be influencers in how we do this one and how we can influence our organization. You know, and it, it, we have to point out to people, just because you're in IT, it doesn't make you a digital strategist. So, um, you know, you're looking for people to either grow and evolve into that role, or we're looking for people to join the organization who bring that strategic thinking to us. And that's, in my opinion, you know, a newer twist on some of the things that we've done in the past. And the strategy was normally we did something, set it out for three to five years. This is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to deploy. Now we need to be more iterative every year, uh, be flexible with the changing landscape, and you know how do we improve clinical care? So I think that's going to be a huge transition for us. That's going to only continue to grow uh, beyond 12 months. But it'll it'll become the norm, in my opinion, over the next three or four years. That's really fascinating. Just in thinking about the evolution of the IT department, and then you know what you need from the people you work with um, every day on the team. When you think about your role in particular as CIO and it moving out more from finance and into the strategic role, working with the C CEOs and others more closely. Is there anything that you've had to do um, to upskill yourself? Yeah, um, you know, continue your education. Uh, that's been key to me. So while my strategic thinking is more along the lines of traditional IT, I've had to get out and start working with my peers and, and get a little more education on the strategic component of this. And that's something, you know, that I continue to work on and evolve and, and honestly struggle with every day. Um, you know, how can I go out and, and make a difference? And what are we going to do that's going to influence, you know, get beyond the shiny object? Uh, it's really easy in IT sometimes to, to get drawn into that. Like, this is really new. It's cool. It looks really, really great. And then you put a lot of focus on it, but what problem are you trying to solve? What type of critical thinking are you doing that brings brings us in here? And sometimes the simple solutions are the best solutions. Often the, the simple solutions are the best solutions. And that that's what we have to focus on because that helps keep us affordable. That makes it easy, safe, secure for the patient. And we have to think all of those, you know, it's no longer, it's a lot of gray and not as much black and white as in the old school uh, IT role. Absolutely. That's fascinating. Um, well, before we wrap up our conversation today, I have one more question. What projects and technologies are you most excited about right now? 
So for me, I, I think it's the AI-driven technologies, you know, and we're seeing those things grow and mature. Um, it's really easy to say, hey, we're just going to throw AI at something, but what does that mean, you know? So uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting that I saw uh, and embraced, and it's a standard fare component, but, you know, um, hospitals, we have bedboard tracking and modeling. How do we want to do, do these things and be most efficient? You watch, you know, the challenges that our nursing uh, co-workers are having with managing all these COVID patients and other patients and moving them around and keeping them comfortable. Uh, so it's pretty interesting to look at things like the predictive modeling that you're seeing on some of the uh, bedboard systems that are coming out. I know that's one of the things that we are, uh, are looking at and we'll be deploying, you know, in the near future. And it, that really reduces the nursing frustration. You know, it's a, like I said, to me, that's just a solid foundation item. If that's something that they can quit worrying about, and I don't have to watch a group of six or eight nursing leaders meet three or four times a day on a whiteboard to help plan things out when we're extremely busy, um, you know, that's that's something we can put them back. And what they want to do is be back, you know, on the floors and working with those patients and making a difference. So those are really good good things. It helps with that nursing workflow. It's better for the patient. Uh, you know, we can get people out of the ED. We're not holding them as long. And I, I think the other one is the same thing is now we're starting to see with all this remote work, all the monitoring, the wearables and everything that's coming into play, you just can't dump that data into a record. I mean, you can, but it's not going to do any good. And a clinician doesn't have time to sit there and just scan through pages and pages of data. They need to see what matters and they need the alerts. So we're seeing some really interesting uh, opportunities for AI to come in and take all of that data and apply it back to historical records and again putting predictive modeling in place if that's something that we can do and help pulmonology you know make a difference on a copd patient if we can go to you know a cardiologist and if they can help them with congestive heart failure and do better predictive modeling on that and and uh, help make that patient a little bit better that's exciting that's where we get to see technology doing doing its job that's that next level that brings all those things together, that strategy of doing what's best for the patient and families. And so, you know, obviously the continued growth of AI to me, I think is really exciting and, and something that we're embracing, but you have to embrace it in a way that's going to make a difference, you know, to that patient and to the family and help that doctor, that clinician, that advanced practice person and that nurse, you know, provide better care. So, that's where we truly feel like we are a part of the clinical team now and not just a support service sitting down in the basement. And, and so that, I think that's where we're going to see the things that are really exciting, how we can help, help apply that today. James, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. It's always great to talk to you all.